want to sit closer to me? Why won't you just meet me in the middle? Do you want me to tell you my story? No. All right. End of episode. End of episode. Sorry. <laughs> One, two. Welcome to Termly Online, the podcast where we discuss everything related to the internet, whether it's trends, drama, memes, etc. I'm your host, Hannah. I'm Tori, another host. And yeah, this week we're coming to you from live from New York City. Live from New York City. It's still hot. Hot as balls. And we don't have central air. Hannah. Do do you want to tell the story of how we lost power on Friday? It was such a shit show. I mean, it's yeah. we lost power at like 4.30 p.m., went to call the management company. They close early on Fridays. They were closed, left the voicemail on their emergency line, which went unanswered. Our super informs us he quit or no longer works for them. Via text, and this was, while the power was out, he's like, no, I don't work for them anymore. Please stop texting me. (laughs) We're like, please. I don't even go here. Help us. Yeah, so we're out until about almost 10 o'clock at night. I mean, we fucked off and went to a local gamer bar Mm -hmm. for the air conditioning and the margaritas and the ability to play the stray game the, the cat, cat game cat game cat game because my computer can't handle it so <laughs> and i'm frantically texting my neighbor about what to do and apparently a maintenance guy showed up to take the trash out and even though he's not an electrician he went down there and changed the fuse because it's an old building and yay we got power back it's also though like you know, it's 90 degrees. Oh, yeah. I like sent very strongly worded emails to the management strongly. company. I called 311. I was not happy. I mean, it's happened before. This is not new. But the not having someone on the way to fix it for hours was new. And also, they didn't even send anyone. It was just randomly. Otherwise, we would have been out of power for, like... Probably the whole weekend. The whole weekend. Because they don't open again until, like, today, Monday. And anyway, that was our whole fun kick off to the it's weekend incredibly hot so it's again a no cam day we'll see i think we're gonna Which we're gonna play sweaty. around yeah we'll see some days we'll we'll have cam on some days it'll just be the pure audio melodic tones the melodic tones of hannah and i <laughs> asmr i actually hate asmr i love asmr i hate asmr i mean so i like specific kinds of asmr no. but it's funny because i no, i hate it my friend's birthday uh, was this weekend and we went out to a restaurant in Lower East Side and having drinks and I was talking to her about it and I mentioned that I we were talking about podcasts we listened to and I was like yeah you know I listen to music more than podcasts but I now I just mostly listen to them when I'm falling asleep but I've kind of switched from that to listening to ASMR videos just because my brain chills out a little bit more yeah I can't do pod- some most podcasts because if I want to pay attention to them or I'm interested and mm-hmm. I yeah so they have to be something like not interesting or like meant to be like, yeah quiet same I I will do it when I don't have to get super invested in what they're yeah. saying if it's funny I'm gonna listen to it because that's more active mm-hmm. I I know people who like ASMR get um the tinglies I get the mm-hmm. opposite of that um 
um, the tanglies or something. Uh, yeah. I get, it's like nails on a chalkboard or like, it's more like somebody dragging their, like a stranger dragging their finger up your spine. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I get. I'm like, ah, did you, like, ah. do you, did you do those games when you were a kid where it was like someone drawing on your back and going like crisscross applesauce, crack an egg on your back, the yolk runs down. And it would be like them tracing on your back, and it was supposed to be like relaxing. And oh no, we yeah. summoned demons and stuff, but like <laughs> you know, very normal casual childhood kid stuff. I mean, I had a super haunted house too, so it was always kind of like. Did I tell you we we would play the game we played was like they they uh, somebody you would lay on the floor and a kid behind you would like sit crisscross and they put their two fingers on each of your they put two fingers on each side of your temple and they mm-hmm. rub and then they tell you a story and the story ends with like um and it's just this weird story about like going to the grocery store you see somebody's following you in like the grocery store and then you as you're going home you see they're still following you so you run into your house. And, like, are freaking out and, like, grab a bat and open the door and the man is standing there that's been following you. And he says, oh, sorry, you just dropped your wallet. And you say, thank you so much. You let them inside because this is how the story goes because it's like, oh, you know. And uh, you're like, do you want a cup of tea? And they say, yes. So they're sitting on your couch and you hear from the other room, here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty. And you're like, oh, that's, you know, just my cat. Here, kitty, kitty. Meow! And then you get up, and there are scratches on your back. And it happened every time. Like, maybe there was a trick to it of, like, you know, beforehand or something. But every Mm -hmm. single time we did that, there would be, like, not broken skin, but definite scratch marks. Like, Mm -hmm. reddened skin. Every time. And the kid who did it, who taught us it, said that it was the devil reaching up from hell and scratching Mm you. Spooky. When I was a kid, probably in elementary school... The movie The Craft came out, Mm. which is about these high school girls who are actually witches and they form their own little coven and get spooky. But we would definitely play light as a feather, stiff as a board. Where have you ever done that? No, I've heard of it and I've seen it. It was Yeah, it's where someone one girl would lie down and all the other girls would uh, be on her sides and you would slide two fingers under her body, and then you would repeat light as a feather, stiff as a board. Yeah, and then you start floating. And then you're supposed to, like, be able to very easily lift them into the air. Um, And I actually ended up writing, I remember I was in fifth grade, I wrote basically a ripoff of the craft, except it was about me and my friends. And we were, I called it, like, teen witches or something. And I wrote it as, quote-unquote, extra credit even though you don't need extra credit when you're in fifth grade. No, not at all. <laughs> but I was really into writing, and I, I wrote this short story about me and my friends discovering we were witches while playing Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board, and That's adorable. awakening our own superpowers. And I gave it to my fifth grade teacher, who um, we called him Eric by his first name. He was a cool so teacher. Cool. Such so a cool. cool teacher. He was really cool. I actually credit him with really nurturing my love of writing because he was really um a cool guy and he like played piano he had a piano in his classroom and i reached out to him when i sold my first book just to say hi this is what i did and so cute he wrote back and he was like i'm so proud and it was so sweet anyway that was my story 
Well, I do want to say real quick, mm-hmm. I do feel like uh, little girls are some of the creepiest creatures in the mm-hmm. world, and we need to let girls be creepy, because I, every summer party I was at had some kind of weird, demonic game you played. Oh, uh, like, we did, like, really fucked up shit. Also in elementary school, probably around the same age. One of my friends introduced us to a game where we would basically make each other pass out, where you would lean over, double over at the waist, with your arms down, breathe in and out really heavy and stand up with your arms crossed over your chest, holding onto your shoulders. And the other friend would push up all their weight against your wrist, like pushing against your chest for about 10 seconds as you held your breath. And then you would pass out. I love that. Well, the second time I think I did it, I passed out for about 10 seconds and woke up and was crying (laughs) without knowing why. And I was like, we shouldn't play that anymore. And then I think at school they found out about it and they were like, do not do this. You are losing brain cells. Well, like, everyone's like little girls. We need to, like, you know, Barbies and pink. We're so wholesome. But you need to let little girls do both, you know? You can have pink. Little girls are weirdos. Yeah, I think children are weird. In good and bad ways. (laughs) Yeah, and boys and girls and everything in between. And we just need to let children be freaky little shits sometimes. Yeah, but you shouldn't let your children make each other pass out no that's that was bad. really bad that was not good i don't know why we did that but we would also do like um we would go to the ice cream parlor we had a very old school ice cream parlor in my town and we bought because at the time they still sold these this is i'm dating myself candy cigarettes oh yeah and then we would take some the ice cream man sold those for us yeah and then you could buy sparkling grape juice in a um wine bottle mm-hmm and we would pour it into wine glasses and walk around the, my house pretending to quote unquote smoke the candy cigarettes. And then we would take turns going into my bedroom, shutting the door and not doing anything. And then coming out 10 minutes later, me like, I just had sex. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. We were such weird little 11 year olds, latchkey kids with like yeah. no parental supervision whatsoever. You know what? That, that tracks. Yeah. Um, but this was before. In the before times. In the before times, before, because, like, there's a lot of talk about our generation went from no technology, you know, like, hitting each other with sticks, which Mm -hmm. kids still do. I worked at an elementary school. Give a child a stick. They hit things with it. But we went from zero technology, like, dial-up internet just coming to the home, and then a matter of years later, you know, you have an iPod. Yeah, it was absolutely a huge boom of technology that happened when when i was like an early teenager especially Mm -hmm. i certainly remember pre-internet times very well that actually is kind of a good segue into our topic thank you for giving that to me the easy segue which is we are telling some personal stories of internet drama from our own lives and i think for each of us this is going to be a little bit of a throwback yeah um we didn't tell each other the stories in full yet but when we mentioned them to each other they both take a place about 10 to 12 years ago yeah mine is 2010 is about when i think mine was uh which is again just hilarious because i mean that's high school and for me you know so i feel like that's pretty Mm -hmm. peak for peak internet drama was definitely high school because that's when everyone i think i had i had a laptop you know and that's when you you no longer had the home computer 
So yeah. you didn't have to worry about you know, remember when people had like computer rooms? Yes, or <laughs> a whole room for a computer. Or we would play way too much games online, and it would block the phone line. You know, yes. so grandma would be calling. This happened. Like grandma would call, and no one would answer the phone because the phone line was blocked. It was busy, mm-hmm. and my mom yelled at us once. She's like, "You were on." It was like RuneScape, but like you know, you were on the internet for four hours and <laughs> my mother has been calling me and there's only one phone you know yeah. and there's no cell phone so i am so glad i did not have real social media when i was in high school mm. facebook existed but it was only for people with college email addresses so i could not sign up for facebook I until i was until i was out i don't think i got myspace until i was out of high school I had a live journal. I had a teenopendiary.com. I was online. I had my own GeoCities website. And I did not, I didn't have anything even remotely similar to Facebook as we know it today, Instagram, TikTok. God. I can only imagine how much I would have embarrassed myself. I, we recently found a video I'll have to show you offline at some point of from me in high school. Um, and it's just bad. And my friend, it's Emily who's in the story and she doesn't mind. Uh, she found it on her YouTube channel, but she can't take the YouTube channel down because it's a lost email and a lost YouTube account and she can't figure out how to take it down. And it's not a it's not a great video to have out there, you know, so it's just kids being kids, but it's it's not great. It's very, um, Bo Burnham, uh, dressed up as Aladdin type of, like, benign. Uh, we did benign a, cultural appropriation. Yeah, we were 14 and we did a rain dance, you know, oh, like, yeah. it's super benign. It's not something you really want to have out there necessarily, but, like, you probably wouldn't even recognize And you were me. literal children. We were literal children. We were probably 14 years old. And we, were ju- we weren't actually doing a real rain dance. We were making something up. Yeah. I mean, again, Bo Burnham talks about that where, you know, it's the, the I did, I said shitty things as a kid and I wish I could take it back. But, you know. Thanks to the internet, it lives forever. Yeah. Which is rough. I mean, at least we never reached a level of fame where it mattered. Like, nobody's going to dig up your life yeah. journal. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was smart and locked mine down pretty early on, but that's another trauma story <laughs> for another day. I think for now we should get into it so this and is about our own personal drama back in the day, our old online drama, just ones that we were personally involved in. Tori, do you want to start with your story first today? Sure. Um, so my story uh, involves a website no one probably ever heard of unless you were uh, into that kind of stuff. Back in 2009, uh, Harper Collins, the publisher, mm-hmm. launched a website called inkpop.com. Uh, it was a Harper Teen project. And so uh, they did a soft launch in 2009, and then a real, and they had 10,000 members. Which is bananas. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot, especially if we're talking about 2009. Then it had an actual launch in 2010. So the idea behind this website is you basically rank uh, all the stories that you... There's all these different writing pieces on there. There's poems, there's short stories, there's uh, whole novels. It's very much like, you know, you can just post chapters at a time. Mm -hmm. It's a forum for 
but original content for the most part. Okay. Um, they encourage original content because you vote on things you like. You would give it an upvote. You know, you would put a comment on there. Um, all these types of things, and you could like rate it. And the top five rated pieces at the end of the month would have a um, Harper Collins editorial board would read it. Mm-hmm. So that was a this idea that you could be discovered. It's like a big agent. incentive to create content for their yeah, website, which for is free. <laughs> so smart. That's like such a good marketing thing. You that know? is. Um, I mean, it's probably a lot of work. Just all this being up there and all this content, but it was a lot of fun. The real easy background of it was that then there was a, a kind of a rival website called Figment, which was Random House. Okay. And then Figment bought out Ink Pop in 2012. So I had already left by then. Uh, I went to college. <laughs> so this was just a little... <laughs> For me, it was maybe a year or two. I yeah. Maybe not even that. Maybe just a year. Just a blip, but it made yeah. such an impact. It made such an impact. This was the thing where... So they had forums as well. And, you know, at one point, somebody posted on there, uh, like, wanted to role play as my character so I could get into the character. So it was all original character uh-huh. content. I, as a young... 15 year old probably didn't know role playing you know i think it was still kind of probably a little not new i guess but you know it was new yeah. to me i've never done role playing but i know the concept is where you're basically writing the point of view mm-hmm. of a character and then you go back and forth and you're yeah. playing another character so this but is it's a- like a real time yes on the forum we had this bananas level uh it would be like 800 comments deep Because we had, like, ten girls, presumably girls. You didn't really know, you know? Uh, And you'd have, I would have five characters going, and you'd respond to people with, like, you know, your character name, and it would be pretty quick, you know, back and forth. But it was Mm -hmm. all done on this forum. It was amazing. I loved it. So there was the site where that hosted the actual pieces of writing that were ranked, and then there was, like, an accompanying forum to talk about the forum yeah was on that website yeah okay you were not supposed to be role-playing that was not (laughs) the goal of this forum the forum did not even have a place for role-playing so it got to the point where we would abandon a thread because it was too unwieldy you'd you'd see 800 a thousand comments and yeah guys let's just start a new thread and so the top five threads with the most comments on them were all ours so we buried every other, like... Just, like, took it over. Completely took over that forum. So funny. Like, because the way the forum worked was, you know, it'd be like, oh, these top five things are the most, like, commented on, have the most comments. And they they were supposed to be, like, writing advice. Uh, what are you working on? There was a really <laughs> cute one. It was called a plot bunny farm. You had an idea for a book. You'd put the... You'd tell somebody on the... So fl- if anyone wanted to take the idea and yeah, run with it. You could adopt a plot bunny. So... Did they ever acknowledge the role-playing going on? No. I looked at it a couple years later, and Figment actually did have a role-playing, like, part of the forum. But no, it was... Okay. Yeah, they actually realized, like, y'all, if you're going to have a bunch of writers... We're going to organize a little outlet for your yeah, little Yeah, I think they, they divided it, you know? So it would be, like, writing advice, um, you know, role-playing, and all that. But it was so funny because... This was not the original intention to have role playing on it uh-huh. at all. That was not. Yeah, the, it yeah. was just what happens when a bunch of teen girls get a little crazy um, and decide to role play. And I 
Yeah, I had uh, probably like five stories at once going. What was the general theme of the story? The genre were the romance. Okay, were they All like romance. contemporary? Were they um, fantasy? They, most were contemporary. Uh, a lot of mine were paranormal. Of course, I did a lot of vampires, and I'll, I'll get into the. I'll, I'll tell you the one that this involves mm-hmm. was, um, and I played a lot of men because it was a romance, and uh, you know I didn't mind playing a male character. And I'm um, sure all the girls wanted to play girls for the most yeah, part. Yeah, everyone too. like you know you'd want to play a girl, and I played a couple girls, but I also played a couple guys. Um, so this character, I had to be reminded of his name. It was Victor. Spelled V-I-K-T-O-R, and he was a gargoyle, and very dark and brooding. Okay, was he like a stone gargoyle that came to life and had like a human form This or was defo just me writing gargoyles fanfiction type of like, I was thinking of the, the, the TV show Gargoyles. I never watched it. Do you know what he looks like? Is it okay. like... Yes, it's, it looks like a, a buff version of um, a stone gargoyle. Okay. Uh, but less, like, demonic in a hot way. Okay. But he could turn into a human, of course. Okay. Because I was, I was a baby monster. I was only 15, it's so like, I, was in, I was a baby monster fucker. I needed them human first. That's fair. You know, now Well, I also fine. think the mechanics of stone, gargoyle, yes. human, sex would no, be... No, 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 they weren't made of stone, though. Like, they had human skin. They just looked like... God, oh, yeah. okay. Then they were demons. Um, they looked like demons. That's... We can work with that. We can work with this. <laughs> um, obviously, it was a kid site-ish, so it was all fade to black. Okay, I was going to ask, did this, how racy did this get? We were never sure how, I was never comfortable writing, like, sex, because I didn't know who these people were, I didn't know how old they were, and, like, me being a 15-year-old, I was like, well, if you're 12, that's creepy, and if you're 37, that's creepy, because I'm a child writing child kind of like. I will also say as someone who wrote fanfic at around that age it was not until I was a little older that I was even comfortable writing yeah anything and I've never been a very like smutty and c17 type writer even as an adult I know that's different from your experience (laughs) but especially at 15 I would just be very like fade yeah and we were also obviously concerned if anything happened to our precious precious you know, forum. We didn't want to do anything that would get us in trouble. Um, so there was no, there was no adult content on there. It was all fade to black. It was heavy kissing and stuff like that. You know, very, very teen girl, like, which is, I think a lot of the teen girl fantasy anyway. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was very, it was fade to black. It was, uh, we'd actually do like a, a dot, 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 you know, it would be an ellipses (laughs) just to really make it. So you all know. We, we was definitely a wink. Like they had sex. Got it. Um, very YA type of. Okay. So tell me what's going on with Victor. Victor. So I had this, this thread with, uh, you know, he was like a gargoyle. And then what you would do is you'd throw out a character sometimes and say like, who wants to, to start up with me. And there was a person who was called Penny. The character's name was Penny. Mm -hmm. And they started role-playing with me. But Penny was like a little girl who was aging very quickly. And I won't get into the actual story. That was what it was, though. And it was like... She was like age of consent, right? They weren't romantic. Um, Oh, okay. okay. No, they weren't romantic until she, she like aged very quickly. And when she turned 18, she tried to seduce him. And he was like, but you're a child and I'm not into that. Like... And that was, okay. anyway, 15-year-old girl shit, am I right? <laughs> it's true. Um, and so I, I talked about this site every day. 
every day I, you know, I'd go to fencing practice like a couple times a week or something. And I would oh, talk. Oh, so like your high school friends. You yes. talk about it. I talk about it all the time because I would run home obsessive and log on immediately to inkpop.com <laughs> and see who replied. Because we're on all different time zones too. So I would have gone to bed last night and there'd be a bunch of replies. And so I'd reply. And so, um, you know, I got really into it. I had, and so it was Victor and Penny. And then one day I'm at fencing, you know, practice because that's who I am. And my good friend, Emily, comes up to me. I think I, I must have been talking about it. She was like, had she, you talked to her about it before? Yeah, I, I talked to all my friends about it. Um, I was really obsessed with it. I was trying to get them to log on too, because all my friends were writers. But she didn't want to. No, nobody wanted to or yeah. got into it. I don't know why. Probably because, um, not Emily, but the other two was probably because it was my idea. <laughs> yeah. If it was their idea, they probably would have done it. Mm. So I've been talking about it for probably months at this point. I was probably very obnoxious. And Emily looks at me and she's like, Tori, like what? She's like, I'm Penny. She she was Penny. <laughs> she was Penny the whole time, and she hadn't told me. My good friend was catfishing <laughs> as a stranger, and I was- You're, like, having these romantic back yes! and forth through these characters with your friend. With my good friend. Jokes on the both of us. We're <laughs> both bi. Oh, my God. How did you not know earlier? <laughs> right? I'm, like, especially- Yeah, so I'm just, like, mind is blown. I'm so betrayed because- you know, you would I would have acted a little differently if I had known it was a friend, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, I know my online self as a teenager when I would write in my live journal. I, it was almost like a different version of myself compared to who I was around my friends. Yeah, it's a very... There's a persona that you affect. And you're open in ways because yes. you don't know these people in real life versus... Especially as a high schooler, when you know being authentic is uh, cringe, <laughs> cringy, and also could lead to like social, you know, yeah. ostracizing. Luckily, it was Emily who did this. Of course, it was fucking Emily. Emily's. Emily's she never gave you like any hint that no, she was remotely interested at all. In that site. I remember, she was not interested. I don't remember. Oh, that's what she had told me. I was like, why didn't you tell me like that you were interested or anything? And she said I, I, it was either that she she logged in and wasn't sure if she would like it or not. And I think part of me wants to say that she was going to make fun of me, but I don't think that was it. Maybe that was me just being self-conscious and thinking maybe she was going to log in and make fun of me or, like, get dirt on me. But that's not who Emily is. So mm -hmm. I think that was me being self-conscious. She wanted to try out the site without me hovering over her. And then she got really into it and actually oh. figured out that she really liked it. And so she had to come clean, oh like, my God. oh, weeks later. So what happened after? Uh, we really got into it more so with each <laughs> other. And, it, like, at one point we stopped doing as much ink pop. Um, and so we would just do it via text sometimes. Really? Yeah. Sometimes we did it via text. It was like soft romancing your friend via text. Yes! <laughs> That's actually kind of adorable, though, that you right? were able to, like, bring this thing that you were so excited about and have someone in real life to, like, nerd out about oh it. Oh, my with. God. It was great. I loved it. But it was so funny because it was a, a very rom-com level of twist. 
Yes, it was that like, is a good plot twist. <laughs> it was me the whole time. And again, having your friend catfish as a stranger. That's hilarious. And I'm curious to know how much longer did he, did you just like naturally fizzle out? I think so. I don't remember a or lot. Or did you have a conversation where like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this? No, I think it naturally fizzled out. I think the folks who I was really interested in, because there were some really good writers on there and others, you were kind of just like throwing them a bone because, yeah. And their story wasn't interesting that you were telling with them. My God. One was like, I'll never be good enough. You should just leave me. And I was at every scene. So annoying. It was so (laughs) annoying. And I was playing the guy, of course, again. Um, And they were the girl who was going like, you should leave me. I'm just, I'm just not good enough for you. And I'm just not good enough. And that was every day. And I was like, I guess you're not actually. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be in this toxic relationship. Do you still have any connections with anyone you met on the forum? I don't. I found, I actually, at one point we stopped doing ink pop and I got in touch with one of them via email and we actually did go back and forth with our characters via email. Um, I don't have that email address anymore though. Aww. It was an SBC global. But I guess net. you guys didn't really know each other at all personally. No, not at all. I never had any side chats or like, Nope. It was all on the forum because I think we were all just, this was in the internet day and age too, where you weren't supposed to give your real name or location or anything, you know? Yeah. And there wasn't any other kind of sub platform to go to. So mm-hmm. no, I, I don't know any of, I never met any of them. I never even, I think one, I got their real name that when I was emailing. Yeah. But it was like probably a whole year of me being obsessively so funny. And I you know, and Emily are still very good friends. Yeah. I love Emily. Um, I think that's the funniest shit she's ever done or, you know, and it, it stands out in my head as like, no that's that is hilarious because i totally understand i would have felt so betrayed yeah but then i also probably would have quickly been like okay but this is really cool but it was okay (laughs) because she liked it yeah she wanted to like make fun of you that would have been just like heartbreaking yeah and i'm pretty sure that wasn't it was that i'm like pretty sure that wasn't it and i was just you know when you remember something through the lens of like you know being a kid and so I know it wasn't to make fun of me. Yeah, and I think at that age, you're so sensitive to anything that could get you picked on or bullied. Yeah, I think Even by your friends, because girls and friends groups can be vicious with each other. I think that's what I was worried about, because I knew, I didn't know it was her, and when I did, I was like, oh, now she's going to make fun of me. And she's like, no, I love this. This is the most fun. Like, what a wholesome thing to, like, as a teenager, to be like, what are you doing, honey? I'm writing with my friends, and I... I don't think I ever told you this. I had a conversation at one point with my mom mm-hmm. about how I felt like this might be kind of weird or like deviant <laughs> to go online and write these racy things with strangers. Even just fade to black. Yeah. Well, because there was like some hot and heavy kissing. Yeah. And to get very invested in like this romance. Yeah. Thing. And I asked my mom, I'm like, is this weird? Is, is is this inappropriate for me as a 15-year-old? And she's like, nah, man, like, have fun. I think she may have been like, are you writing sexually explicit things to strangers online? I was like, no. She's like, okay, then you're good. Like, I think my yeah. mom had a very, like, do what you want as long as they're not, you know, as long as your grades are okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's cute. That's nice that she was supportive and that you were open about it. Yeah. She was very supportive. Your mom's great. My mom's amazing. She's probably listening to this right now about how much I love her. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. (laughs) Uh, So 
Emily, I asked her to record a voice memo of her side of the story. And I haven't listened to it yet, so I'm pretty excited. We're going to listen to it. React live. React live. This is my rendition, my point of view of Victor and Penny when I was (laughs) seemingly catfishing Tori. um, (laughs) By creating a character that was having a storyline with the character Victor that she created for life. And I can't quite remember the name of the website, but it was bubble something. I don't ink pop. I'm sure Tori will tell you guys. What it was called. <laughs> and it was a chat board, a not, it wasn't like a instant messaging type thing. It was, so you write a response, you submit it to the board and there was multiple stories going on at once with this thing. So there was, it was a lot for us sophomores or juniors, wherever we were. So Tori had this character, Victor, and I wanted in on this. And I knew that it it would take away part of the pizzazz, the the kind of lore of it if 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 Tori knew it was me on the other side. <laughs> so my sneaky ass, I created Penny without her knowing. And, oh, God, this must have went on because I'm really bad at keeping secrets and bad at surprises. This, I think it went on for me two or three weeks, maybe. I thought it was, like, longer. No. I finally told Tori who the man behind the mask was, so to say. Um, But I remember waiting at some point, waiting until Tori had gone to sleep so I could reply as Penny because <gasps> she could not know it was me. I didn't know that. It was not allowed. It was not allowed. And uh, oh gosh, it was so stinking fun. I remember it being super fun, and it kind of you know lost its pizzazz once I dropped the veil and was like, "It is me, I'm Penny." <laughs> I, Apparently, I did it at fencing practice, which is freaking hilarious because I can just imagine Tori and I going at it and then me using that as a way to get the upper hand. Like, it's me. I'm Penny. And then just yeah. shit out oh. oh my God. Oh my God. But yeah, no, it was it was a lot of freaking fun. I just, I remember just being so freaking pumped about how sneaky it was and the the story that we were writing between Victor and Penny. It was so freaking wild. It was so great. Um, I'd do it again. Tori, I'd catfish you again. How dare online. you? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Or am I? Maybe I'm currently doing it. <laughs> Anyways, that's what I remember of it. I, I just, the quintessential moment is me waiting until Tori is fucking asleep and just crying <laughs> as petty. Because we, we slept over each other's houses every Friday. Oh, really? Like, every single Friday, I would sleep over her house, and then half the time, she would then sleep over my house on Saturday. So she would, on the weekends, we would see each other all the time on the weekend. There was probably not one weekend that went by, unless we had plans. Oh, my God. That, so she would have had to sneak it if she wanted to do it on the weekend. Uh, I love so that funny. so much. It's trying my best to hide my responses to her, because I think at that point cell phones weren't as usable like user friendly as they are now so we had to use laptops and desktops to do this and the sneakiness that you had 
to have in order for someone not to see your big ass screen and what you were doing. Oh my god, it Tori had no freaking idea. No, it was amazing at all. And no I clue. Wish I could have <laughs> recorded Tori's face when she finally found out it was me after I <laughs> did the big reveal. I do it again. I sure as hell would. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all I have to say about that. Goodbye. Yeah, because you, you, at that point, like, cell phones were, like, were still, like, razor flip phones, you know? Oh, yeah. You could probably access it, but, I mean, if you remember how the internet was on a crappy phone. Oh, yeah. It would be, you know, you're trying to scroll around the screen because there was no mobile sites, so nothing fit your screen. So, that was Emily. Emily is uh, one of my very good friends, and we've been friends since we were 13 or 14, yeah. So, I love Emily. Um, I'm glad you were able to get over the betrayal. I, I actually haven't, and I'm n- never <laughs> You're going just, to- like, doing the long con. You're, like, plotting yeah. your revenge. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I- yeah, I'm catfishing as her friend. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then on her, like, deathbed, you'll be there holding her hand being like, by the way, I never forgave you. <laughs> I never forgave you. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Those days are kind of, I call them my halcyon days, if that's even how you say that word, um, where everything is kind of has a sepia tone filter mm-hmm. and it's just incandescent joy is yeah. one of, yeah, was like go, running home, being so excited to like type on this crappy website. I love that. Um, uploading stories, seeing if somebody commented on my story and then going and, you know, logging on and having fun role playing with a bunch of other hopefully teen girls. I love that. Yeah. So that's, that's my story. story. Yeah. I wasn't, it's not too drama filled, but I just like the it's twist. It's like the best like kid drama. Yeah. Internet drama. I love it. So uh, here's my question to start my story off for you. Are you the kind of person who likes to be spoiled for TV shows, movies, books, anything I like that? I really don't care. I like the I don't mind an occasional spoiler. Sometimes if I'm really into it, I'll say don't, but otherwise I really don't care. Yeah. I have always been the kind of person who wants to know everything immediately. Oh, yeah, you read Wikipedia articles before you watch the movie, don't you? Well, a lot of times I'll see trailers for movies I have no intention of watching, but I'm curious about the plot, so I will look up the spoiler summaries, or I will read the Wikipedia synopses, and I want to know, like, the plot twist the trailer alludes to, but I don't want to sit through a two-hour movie that I'm not going to enjoy, but I still want to know, right? That's fair. I'm just that person. I'm the person who goes to the bookstore, reads the inside flap of the book cover, think, well, that sounds mildly interesting, but not something I'm actually going to read, so I will flip to the back of the book to read the ending. Oh my god. I know. It's really bad. I've always kind I mean, of been fine. like this. it's fine. It's not like it's hurting <laughs> anyone, you know? Well, the reason I bring that up is because my story does revolve around spoilers. My background is that when I was like 14, the very first fandom I got really into was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My first introduction to spoilers, because at 14 I didn't know that was something available, is there was this thing called Wild Feeds, which is that the day before an episode would air on UPN, a random satellite network that you had to have the special satellite for would air the episode like the night before. Oh. So I would race to school early to log on and read someone on a forum would post 
a summary of the episode on one random Buffy the Vampire Slayer forum. And it was called Wild Feed Sundays because they would post it like at midnight when I was in bed already. So Monday morning, I would like log on, read the spoilers because I wanted to know what happened on Buffy the Vampire Slayer before, even though I literally was going to air that night. So that was my first introduction. And I, throughout the years, have been involved in a few different fandoms. Um, more when I was younger. I have been fandom clean for a pretty long time <laughs> at this point. I don't think I have. Um, well, I've noticed that the the times when I'm most invested in a fandom is when my mental health is the worst. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm not saying it's it's not like fandom hurting my mental health, though I don't think it it's necessarily social. Helps. But I think it's that when I'm not happy in real life, I tend to turn to media and get into a hyperfixation. And again, I think it's it's being it's being parasocial. It's it's finding other people who also like the thing you like and yeah, I think right. being obsessive is also right. The reason I mention that is because in various fandoms, not only was I a reader of spoilers, but I became friends with people who were spoiler sources or they knew people who provided spoilers, that kind of thing. So I've been in the game for a minute when we jump to the time of this story. It's 2011. Barack Obama's president. <laughs> the Iraq war is ending. Lady Gaga is thriving. And Glee is a cultural juggernaut. I graduated from high school. That year? Yeah. So I will Glee. say that I... This is like my shameful secret is that I got really into Glee <laughs> in the second season. I hated Glee. I enjoyed the first season as a normal, casual fan. I was not obsessed, but I liked it. I believe I read a news article that my favorite character in the show, Kurt Hummel, who was the gay kid played by Chris Colfer, was going to get a boyfriend. And that really interested me because remember, this is 2011. There's not a lot of gay representation on TV. And I thought Chris Colfer was a good actor. I was kind of interested in his character. And I do love music. So Glee covers um, were always like enjoyable to me for the most part. We'll not talk about some of the sacrilegious covers they've done, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> but I started following the story about him getting introduced to a boyfriend. That pulled me into the fandom. Um, I had a few friends who I had known from other fandom spaces who at the same time got interested in it. So this was like a pretty natural progression. I ended up joining Tumblr Ugh. so that I can access more Glee content. This was a time when LiveJournal was on its last throws-ish. I mean, it was still active, but it was not the fandom space it had been in the early aughts. So I joined Tumblr, I'm posting, I'm reading like Television Without Pity, which is like a forum, that kind of thing. And what happens is towards the second half of the second season of the show, at this point, Darren Chris has been introduced as uh, Chris Colfer's character's new boyfriend, or, you know, they like have their meet cute they have their romance they have a little thing going on and i was really enjoying it and wanted to know where it was headed so i'm getting into the spoiler realm of glee well what happens is someone i know from a previous fandom we knew of each other but we're not close 
she notices that I'm talking in the spoiler space a lot. And she reaches out to me and she says, I know someone who's connected to the show. I'm going to have to be really vague because yeah. even to this day, I try to be very like, I haven't spoken about this story to anyone in real life before. So she tells me, I know someone who works for the show or is like connected to the show. I can get information, but I don't want to post it myself. Will you be willing to post this information? I trust you because I know you from other fandoms and that I had posted spoilers for people before. A trustworthy internet stranger. Yeah. Those are, that's a thing, you know, like. Yeah. So we connect, we get each other's emails to take it to private. We're going back God. and forth. It's like you're actually doing journalism. It really you know? kind of is Ed, like I got my in. And I am dead serious that I conducted myself with a code of spoiler ethics, which is one, you protect the source at all costs. Two, you do not reveal anything unless the spoiler source okays it. So I would know a lot of information, but I would only be approved to release certain information because Mm -hmm. you don't want to jeopardize the actual spoiler source person who's not supposed to be sharing any information. And what people don't realize, too, is that by posting this information and proving myself as trustworthy, not only do, does it ingratiate me to the person who's providing me the information, it also means that other people who have their own connections come to me because they know they can trust me. Oh, my God. So, you're like a kingpin. This sounds like a drug ring. Considering how Glee fandom acted in 2011. That's fair. It was basically drugs. Spoilers for drugs. People, the fandom, the intensity of it cannot even be... I mean, we're talking about, like, <laughs> Tumblr kids mixed with musical theater kids. Oh, yeah. And this was also the early days of Tumblr. Oh, my God. The fandom was just, like, a war zone. It was absolutely intense. It was different from any other fandom I'd experienced because I'd primarily always been on, like, live journal spaces, which is just a different feeling and vibe than tumblr was um this is also at the same time twitter has become it's just becoming like a mainstream thing so the issue too is that in previous fandoms i've been in the fourth wall was pretty thick because showrunners writers cast members people connected to the show were not on social media where they could actually connect directly to fans or Mm. hear from fans directly. Or you're not going to have, you know, I mean, there are some famous people that actually are on Tumblr and stuff. I remember like uh, John Green, you know, Taylor Swift has a Tumblr or did, but like, you know, not in comparison to everyone. Everyone has a Twitter. If If your name is known, you have a Twitter. Yes. So basically what happens is like, so I had this primary source but by the time I was done with my reign as a spoiler queen for Glee, uh, I'd had over the years, like, probably over a dozen different sources. Some of them would be, like, a one-off. Sometimes it'd be just, like, they had a limited time frame where they had information. I mean, it was just a variety. But I did have this one primary source. And the story happens towards the beginning of when I started posting Glee spoilers. Um, I had posted a few that were proven true. So when I started posting information about the event we're going to talk about, people knew it was accurate because mm-hmm. I had verified myself as like a trustworthy source. And I wasn't the only person posting Glee spoilers by long shot. There oh were God, definitely, sure. <laughs> so there were definitely people who had access to scripts. It was so funny because later on, after all this happened in later seasons of Glee, 
there was a random Brazilian fan site that would post spoilers. They clearly had access to someone with a script, but they were Brazilian, so everything would be posted in, like, ESL English. Oh, no. And they would have, like, the songs, but, like, it was always really hard to figure out what exactly was going on because they didn't have English as a first language. And they yeah. would post it in English, but it was this Google random... translated type of... It was bleakout.br, and they would have all the information. Um, but there were also, because with Twitter... There were people who were, um, like, extras on the show, and they would, like, post pictures of themselves on set, not spoiling stuff, but, you know, you could kind of piece together through the mystery of, like, or you could piece together by looking through their photos what sets were being filmed at that day, etc. I mean, there was also, I had at one point gotten the phone number to the extras hotline where you would get a recorded message saying, show up at this this is what we're filming they would give like a brief description and you would get a little information that way and i didn't gatekeep it with the thinking of like oh i want to make it seem like i have more information than i do it was because i knew that if that number got out like, oh yeah you- it would be flooded with calls and eventually the line got shut down um there was also a random site that you had to have like some kind of media account to access and be working at like a tv network it would post a transcript of the episode, kind of like Wild Feeds, where, but it would just be like a written transcript for like captions the mm-hmm. day before it aired. So for a few episodes, I had like a full episode summary, but I wouldn't have any visuals. It wouldn't even have descriptions of the action. It would just all be like dialogue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could more or less figure out what was happening in the episode. But going back to 2011, this is early on in my Glee spoiler journey your career my career my stint your journalism career uh so it's april 2011 at this point on glee it's the second season it's getting towards the final episodes being filmed and the storyline going on involves kurt the gay character has been having like a bullying arc where his character was being bullied by a closeted male oh, football yeah. jock. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so, and then... I did eventually like Glee. I, like, I was kind of into <laughs> I know it. you kind Not of turned obsessive, but, like, yeah, yeah I did Look, like Glee. I'm ashamed of how much I know about Glee. It's embarrassing, but I have to talk about this. It's okay, I it's... was really into Twilight. Like, we all have our sins. On the story for Glee, so on Glee we have Kurt the out gay kid who's been facing a bunch of bullying but has gotten a boyfriend in darren chris we have the closeted gay jock who kurt knows his secret that he's gay but he is very intensely in the closet um you have a lot of different storylines with all the different like romances of the glee kids that everyone's invested in and we are getting to the filming of the prom episode now, this is the first prom episode Glee has ever done at this point in time. And people are really excited about it because it's such a romance-heavy, uh, obviously going to be a romance-heavy episode because it's prom and all the couples are going to finally get maybe some airtime and development. So people are really excited. What happens is I get a lucky break in that I find out that someone I know 
is directly at the filming. They oh are not God. they are not working for the show. They are not an extra. They are not connected to the show, but they happen to be on set that day. I cannot really say much more than that, except that they are a guest. They are watching everything be filmed like on they have like this I forget what it's called, but it's like a big array of monitors where all of the camera angles they show you, where the director goes back and forth to. They have a viewing of everything being filmed. So I get a rundown of everything that is filmed in the gymnasium that day. They film on site at a gymnasium. They have like 200, 300 extras oh present for the filming. And they film a lot of scenes, like a lot of songs. There's some like dramatic scenes happening. And my source basically gets a viewing of all of it. Um, so my source reaches out to me, like almost like directly after filming and is like, this is what happened. Oh my God. You must've been freaking out. Yeah. So actually I'm realizing they were not there for the first day of filming, but all I do is they still get the information. They tell me what songs were performed. I post just so-and-so sings the song. So-and-so sings the song. And like, that's it. I don't post anything. But the second day of filming is when all the heavy stuff gets oh, filmed. Yeah. And that's when I get information that night. I would share everything on Tumblr. And in order to make it easier, I would post kind of the main spoilers. Like, I was told you can reveal the songs being used, but don't reveal who the prom queen and king are. Yeah, cause, because I, mean, I remember that was a pretty big point of the, yeah, the prom you we'll know? explain it but like yeah. it was like a big plot point so they weren't comfortable with that being revealed but they were comfortable with other minor things being revealed to make it easier on tumblr i would tumblr has a function where people can ask you anonymous questions or questions locked into their own accounts i would leave my inbox open so i would post that and then as soon as i posted i I was getting like hundreds upon hundreds of messages from people wanting to know what was You're happening. So popular! I had like five thousand followers. Oh my god! On Tumblr at one point. Look at you. So what happens is after the second night of filming, which is the final night, um, it's like two days of filming. The first day they do a bunch of scenes. Second was like the long haul where they did all the big stuff. I begin answering questions and I'm, you know, giving out little morsels of information. I can't give out like all the details, but I'm explaining like a few small scenes. I'm explaining the music. I'm telling people like, oh, you'll be happy. Like if they're like, oh, well, um, like what happens with like Rachel and Finn? Like, and I'll be like, oh, well, they have a moment, but I don't like delve into yeah. what happens. Give them a little taste. Um, a taste. So they can, like, feel like they, like, you know, they have an expectation. Yeah. And what happens is I'm not the only person who's talking about filming. On Twitter, there's a girl. Her name is Nicole Crowther. Now, Nicole Crowther has been one of the extras who is a spoiler source for the last, like, six months or so. Since, like, January 2011-ish, probably. Maybe a little longer than that. She's a little different from the other extras because she will actually answer questions about spoilers. She will share small spoilers, not anything huge, but she will say, you know, these characters are going to have a scene together. And the other extras, like they might post a picture or two, like of them hanging out on set, but they're not. I don't know why. Was it like, 
I mean, I guess she didn't sign any kind of NDA or something, but... She did not. They did not have NDAs for the Glee extras at that time. Oh. But... But it's funny that she was spoiling and nobody else was. Yes. It's a little curious. So she's answering questions literally at the same time as me on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Now, again, like, there's literally thousands of people, hundreds of people on my Tumblr asking me questions. I know that my reach goes beyond that. Like, my posts are getting huge mounts. And she has, you know, a good Twitter following. People know her to, like, look to her for stuff, for spoilers. So one thing that happens is that her information is contradicting mine a little bit. Not on a huge level. But, for example, um, Mr. Shu and Emma, the guidance counselor, she's saying they have, they go to the prom together and they dance. And I'm like, well, that's weird because my source is very clear that neither of those actors were present on set either day of filming. So I'm like, that's a little odd. And when I reveal that a fight happens between Rachel and her two love interests, Jesse and Finn, uh, Nicole says that doesn't happen. And that's a little odd because I've always thought of her as a reliable spoiler source, but I know a hundred percent that that happens. Like I know so I just kind of shrug it off because she's reliably shared and, you know, extras don't have information to everything. Yeah. My person was in a little bit of a different position where they had a more of a understanding of what was actually being filmed. Um, and, you know, maybe she was mistaken or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not like an extras aren't behind the camera. You know, if you're an extra in a scene, you're not exactly getting to, you know, watch everything. Yeah. So literally at the same time, her and I are both posting and... I looked back at my posts. I really had to dig back for this because it happened so long ago and I have not even looked at my old Tumblr in forever. But I looked and I'm like, you'll see me say like, oh, that's weird. I heard differently, but maybe she's right. And I just don't know. And then I was like, well, no, like, I I don't think that's right. And people are literally tweeting her with links to my posts being like, why are you wrong? Why are you wrong? So there is like this unspoken one upmanship going on between us. Oh, no at probably what would be like 2 a.m california time i'm on east coast time Mm -hmm. at this point nicole tweets the following she says k is pq and ka is pk i don't know what any of that means so what that actually means and anyone who is a glee fandom follower immediately knows what she's saying which is that k kurt is prom queen pq and ka Karofsky, the closeted jock, is PK prom king. So she has gone ahead and revealed spoiled the prom king, the and prom queen. king and queen. That's bad. This was the one thing my spoiler source was very clear. Like you cannot tell people because it's a huge deal. And I have like a whole description of the scene as it went down um, in the gym filming. And so I knew exactly what happened. But I also knew I gave like a hint or two. Very, I said it was like. It's someone expected, somewhat expected, and someone completely unexpected. Like, that was the most hint I gave. I would... Yeah. I also felt like it wasn't something that I f- the fandom needed to be, like, warned about. Yeah, that You makes know, sense. if it wasn't, like, a major character death that would, like, devastate people. And um, honestly, if I'd gotten the green light, I probably might have shared it. Because I never liked people who, like, really gatekeep spoilers, to be honest. But, you know, I was, I was like, that was my hard but line. But that's also, she's connected share. to that. And if it sounds like that's such a big thing to not share, and then she goes ahead to one-up you, 
Yeah. And it was very clear watching this play out that that is what happened is that she said that because she was not getting enough attention for the information she was sharing because people were like, well, that's not, she's saying this other person, me was saying it's not right. And you have street, you have street cred at this point. That's sweet, sweet Tumblr cred. So when she reveals this, people blow up on Twitter. Okay. Um, They are not just tweeting her because a lot of people are mad that she revealed this because they were like, that should have been a surprise for the episode. Like, I didn't want to know. Like, I wanted to know some things, but that was like too far. And people are like just going nuts on her. They're also tweeting the showrunners about (gasps) it. Brad Falchuk, one of the show's producers, there's like the three. It's like Ryan Murphy Ian, I forget his last name, and Brad Falchuk. And Brad Falchuk is actually now married to Gwyneth Paltrow. Fun little side note. Um, But he's like one of the showrunners at the time. And he tweets to Nicole not many hours later. And he goes, who are you to spoil something talented people have spent months to create? Hope you're qualified to do something besides work and entertainment. So this eggs people on, okay? Well, because that's her public name, too, versus you're oh, doing Oh, it's it got under her a, real-life name like on it. Like, you're doing a pseudonym. Like, they can't find yes, you. Yes, I had a pseudonym on a pseudonym on a pseudonym. So, And you're on Tumblr versus, like, And I know. never posted anything that even hinted about where I was located, my name. Yeah, I was very Tumblr. careful. I you don't want anyone t- to know who you are on Tumblr. Well, especially for this purpose, because yeah. I once I knew I was going to be posting spoilers, I'm like, I had to be really anonymous. At this point, I don't care, because I'm like, whatever but oh no it's been a long enough who you were so hannah what's your tumblr name what what i'm not gonna reveal that i'm gonna make people dick for that if they really want to find it but because i haven't vetted it for anything so i still have it standing but i just kind of like abandoned it preserved it anyway brad tweets this all hell breaks loose nicole crowther her name starts to trend on twitter's trending topics people are like dunking on her people are giving her like death threats i mean there's a lot of insanity going on and the question is did brad find out from people tweeting him well you would think that's like probably how he found out except someone on live journal says i had to dig through to find out the origin story of this so and i remembered it was when i read this i was like oh yeah that is i think what happened it's that a fan got pissed off, called Paramount, and reported Nicole. Oh my god. So Paramount is like the studio where they yeah. filmed. And they spoke to a security guard, but then they had her call back, and she told one of the executives or something, who then told Brad, and then Brad tweeted. So that might have actually been how he found out, is that someone actually was angry enough to call the studio about it. Someone pulled a Karen. Um, yeah, and that was one of my things when I first started posting spoilers, is that I made it really clear to my followers, I was like, you do not tweet the cast members asking them about this, no matter how innocuous your question is, you do not tweet, like, the show writers, you do, you keep this in the fandom bubble. That is, like, the code of, like, fandom ethics, it's like, like, fanfic, like, you don't expose people, cast members to that. No, that's, that's awful, or especially when you talk about, like, real life fanfic you know where you're like yeah. actually writing about like jensen ackles you know oh and, my like, god ugh. yeah no like that's so uncomfortable and same with spoilers like you keep it in the fandom People bubble. do it and you're like they're they are meant to be shunned i love the fourth wall love the fourth wall keep it up i don't want you know the attention from people who are actually involved in creating the property this is our circle jerk yes 
So the next morning, Nicole tweets an apology to Brad Falchuk. She's like, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Then shortly after that, she starts like retweeting stuff about how he's an asshole. Ah! (laughs) And then she tweets, she goes verbatim. I don't want to be an extra anymore. That's why I said what I said. Haters need to back off. You're not cool or funny. Get a life. Oh my God. You spoiled things so you wouldn't be an extra anymore. You tanked your career. (laughs) So the press like picks up the story, like major outlets are picking it up. And then murmurings start that Glee is going to reshoot the prom scenes because of this spoiler reveal. Pulling a Marvel. I knew when this happened, I was like, that's not going to happen. One, because that would be a huge cost to the budget, their production budget. Also, half the cast immediately left the prom filming to go to Coachella. (laughs) They were not coming back from Coachella on their limited time off to, like, refilm these scenes. It was not going to happen. No. And honestly, if you think about how many people probably actually saw that tweet, it's probably pretty minuscule in comparison. And they're still going to have everyone watch it, you know? You're oh not yeah! Lose out on the. It was views. not going to be worth the the no. You know the pros and cons. It was not going to be worth it to like reshoot it. However, the reason people are thinking they might reshoot it is they're calling in all of the extras back to the um, filming uh-huh. site or the studio, even though there's no cast filming. An anonymous person on Tumblr claims to have been there, and this is what they have to say about that meeting and the situation. Are you, I'm ready. Are you ready? Nicole Crowther is not an extra for Glee. Oh my god. The fucking twist. She did one episode as an extra and then was fired because she was really creepy. She kept stalking the cast around and asking for their photograph, things like that. So she was never called back. Uh. However, she still has friends that are regular extras for the show, and that's where she got all her information. And for some reason, rather than telling the truth, she decided to pose as an extra. The purpose for the meeting was to get whoever was supplying Nicole with her information to come forward. Of course, no one did. And now, because of this, about 300 background actors are in danger of losing their jobs. Oh my god. So I should have prefaced the story reading that before I (laughs) read it, is that I have no way to verify this story. But I'd, I'd heard of this too. Because the thing about Nicole Crowther, and which was known, even while she was saying she was an extra... And she did 100% claim to be an extra throughout 2011. This is relevant later on. She was not just like an extra, but she was definitely a fan of Glee. Mm -hmm. So she would also egg on some rumors about Diana Agron, who played Quinn, the cheerleader, and Leah Michelle, who played Rachel Berry, the protagonist. She would egg on rumors that they were having like a secret relationship. That's she would respond. Kind of gross. Yeah, she would respond to people on Twitter and basically talk about seeing them together on set and how they were very handsy. The problem is that Nicole's Twitter was deactivated, so I can't pull these up myself. I found a few in like some random Italian Glee forum that was copy pasted, and so I can tell you with fair certainty that this happened, and I recall it too that she was like a shipper she like loved those two not just the characters but like the actresses i hate i mean that whatever your kink is but all i just real life shipping for me is really yeah like they're people man leave them alone and i will say this one report that i found of the person who claimed to be there they're not the only one another 
blog that, again, I can't verify, but they claim that she was given the label DNR, do not return, a type of blacklisting um, for undisclosed reasons, Mm -hmm. is what they put. So, basically what happens is the story, minus the whole thing about her not being an extra, it's picked up by, like, all these outlets. So, like, the LA Times, The Hollywood Reporter, CBS News, they're all, like, Glee Extra fired for leaking spoiler and because the Brad Falchuk kind of pulled a Barbara Streisand effect and yeah. like brought all this attention to it where it probably would have just been like whatever if he'd ignored it. Um, so Nicole releases an official statement. I believe it was to the Hollywood Reporter. I should have verified that. But she basically says she overheard the spoiler at a dinner party with some friends who happened to be extras for the show and that she had worked on the show once but not since the fall of the year before. Do you want me to redo her like full quote? Yes. <laughs> okay. So her official statement says, I didn't even know if the girl I heard it from was joking or telling the truth. I was not an extra for that scene and haven't been an extra on the show since October, 2010. Mr. Falchuk publicly humiliated me and has made it clear that he never wants me to work again in Hollywood. I reported what I had overheard no different than a gossip reporter would. I didn't even know if what I tweeted was true. I didn't violate any code of ethics or violate a contract. I shared information discussed at a party. I have been on the set of many shows and have never and would never give away any information. I didn't this time. I had no way of knowing so many things would get twisted from a single tweet. And I am truly sorry for any trouble I have caused. But that was never what I intended. I wanted to be just another speculator weighing in. Quite frankly, I wish I could turn back the clock, but I can't. I want this nightmare to be over. That is not a very good apology. (laughs) Um, That's a lot of uh, backtracking, and it wasn't really my fault. Well, okay. You're not a reporter. So in terms of, like, what happened to me in the fallout of this, I believe I temporarily changed my Tumblr username so that anything I'd posted, any links would be broken. So Mm -hmm. that way, if people had copy and pasted those links to Brad Falchuk, they were suddenly broken. They wouldn't work. Smart. You're so smart and pretty. And then after like a few days or weeks, things have kind of like calmed down. So I switched back to my original username. Oh, well, what happened too is that I told my source, I saw this unravel. I told my source, I messaged them. I'm like, look, this person revealed this. What do you want me to do? Because obviously people were coming, climbing into my inbox being like, is this true? Is this true? Is this true? So I made a post and I was like, I know what's happening. I can't say anything right now. Give me like till tomorrow. Cause it was like midnight my time. It mm-hmm. was very late when she posted that spoiler. And so what happened was I got in touch with my source and I was like, look, it's out of the bag at this point. Like no one's going to be looking at me <laughs> like, you know, so why don't you let me confirm this? Because the way it had aggravated a lot of people because people were like, oh my God, what a twist. Like what's, is it like what happens? And she gave me a very like, I, she okayed my summary, which was like, yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, people who are like fans of Kurt were like really concerned about how it was going to play out. And I'm like, look, like it, he takes the moment, he kicks its ass because he wins the prom queen and then he um, gets the closeted kid wins the prom king and that kid like flees the dance floor. But Kurt's boyfriend, Darren Chris, comes up and they I dance together this. to Dancing Queen by ABBA. And it's Cute. like, it ends on a good note. Like, they rally. It's like a good, uplifting moment at the end. I mean, it's not like the greatest inspirational queer storyline of all time, but it was fine. Um, so I post that and people are like, oh God, she confirmed it. Like, 
But, you know. It's true. (laughs) So they know it's true. But I'm in the clear. No one's trying to go after me, really, at this point. Everything, all the heat is kind of on Nicole Crowther and whatever. Because well, you're always an unnamed person. You know? Well, and like, I, was, I wasn't the one who revealed that. I was basically yeah. backed into a corner into confirming it. Because- and I, you were also on Tumblr. I feel like there's, again, a big difference between Twitter and Tumblr. And mm. a difference between, like, a blogger and a professional talking about Yes, someone with her website. professional name attached. Um, so the follow-up for Nicole from this is, I did look her up, and she kind of went away for a little bit, um, but she's kind of rebranded herself as, like, a motivational speaker who Ugh. talks about cyberbullying. She um, she started doing that, I think, around, like, 2016. She appeared on an episode of the Sci-Fi Network's The Internet Ruined My Life. She's been on Good Morning America to discuss wow. it. Oh, and I did find a comment. So someone had posted on the Glee fan wiki and said, true story. One year later, I was an extra for Promisaurus, which was like the next season's prom episode. And before we started filming, they had all the extras sit in a room where we had to sign this really long non-disclosure agreement about not revealing any spoilers. (laughs) Then Brad Felchuk himself came into the room and told us all about how someone spoiled the prom queen last year. And that if any of us even dared to give a hint about who was prom queen, this They'd be sued for all the money we were worth. They weren't messing around. I love that. Okay. So let me go back to Nicole for a second. Um, I guess she's done some like inspirational speeches. She's popped up on a few podcasts since. So I actually today listened to one that was recorded in April of 2020. Oh, geez. And before I actually go into it, I will say that Nicole Crowther should not have been attacked by Brad Falchuk. That was super unprofessional. That was very unprofessional. He sicked a Twitter mob on this girl who was early 20s um she didn't deserve it she certainly didn't deserve fucking death threats over a fucking tv show episode you know like it was ridiculous it should have been a private dm or call and just say delete the tweet yeah i mean it should have been something like that like you need to delete this and she got dropped from her casting agency from for doing any background work um which i think was kind of deserved you know i mean if you're known to be a person who can't keep their mouth shut i kind of get it yeah i mean the truth is you know i feel bad she was like in film school and she wanted to be an actress but extra is not really a good way to leverage yourself into an acting career people just kind of do it for like the easy money or because yeah. they're young and they don't need to like have a ton of money and it's kind of fun to hang around a film set sometimes um so okay so she nicole appeared on this podcast called hugging the cactus in april of 2020 which it's hosted by Andy Signor. Do you know like Honest Trailers? The yes. YouTube series where they like do parodies of like movie trailers, basically. Yeah, I remember. <clears throat> so he's the creator of that and he hosts the show. Um, but he got suspended from working, maybe fired, I'm not sure, from Honest Trailers because he was accused of sexual harassment. Oh. Yeah, super cool. So he hosts this show called Hugging the Cactus, where he interviews people who have been like quote unquote canceled. And basically get their side of the story. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So I sat through this 40-minute episode of her. It's a video of her being interviewed by him. And I will say, Andy Signore, for all of his faults, the police are coming for him. Ah! (laughs) And, yeah. Just say his name and the police are coming. Probably. They're coming for you because you spoil things. I mean, the whole concept is a little cringy. I mean, and I actually do feel like there are people who get internet shamed who don't deserve to be like quote unquote canceled. Oh yeah. But sexual harassment claims from multiple women. That's 
Yeah. You're probably kind of a fucking piece of shit, but whatever. Anyway, um, I will say for all his faults, I don't fault him for not understanding the whole background of, like, the Glee fandom and exactly what happened here. And again, I have nothing against Nicole. I feel bad that, like, she got really dogpiled on more than she needed to. But I will say that she she's kind of created this narrative for herself that just, it's not really true. Mm-hmm. Um which is, I mean, she claims that she only worked as an extra for one day on Glee, which might be true if she was fired immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, because it is kind of, like, bizarre that you would only do one day of work there if you're doing background work regularly. Like, they hire the same people, like, all the time. Why wouldn't you go more? Um, Unless she, yeah, got We're blacklisted for, like, harassing the cast or just being a little like weird which i mean i'm not saying she was like snooping into people's trailers but if you're being a little like weird around the cast like they're just gonna like not want you there um especially the glee cast which was a touchy bunch of people um very stressed overworked young actors who don't have time for like an extra's bullshit you know um so she also claimed that she only had a few hundred followers on twitter she had over 2,000 followers on Twitter. Oh. I verified that at the time. Also, that underestimates the fact that Nicole was also on Tumblr, though she posted more on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Nicole was fully aware of the fact that people were taking her spoilers and posting them on Tumblr. Again, this was not like a one-off. She only tweeted this. She had a history of at least like six months or longer of having posted Glee spoilers With her name on attached to it. That's and she might so have, wild Yeah, she me. might have only had 2,000 people following her on Twitter, but those tweets were being copied and pasted and screen capped and taken to Tumblr and having a much larger reach. They were hitting other, like, various forums. Like, tons of people were seeing these. Um, thousands upon thousands, like, tens of thousands, probably. Um, I will say, like, in the show, like, her father's interviewed, and he talks about, like, they hired her a security guard after the death threats, and I have a lot of sympathy for him, like, yeah, that would be a terrifying situation, your kid is like, oh my god, I made this dumb tweet, and now I have, like, death threats. spoilers. Yeah, so she ended up moving from, like, California, stopping an extra, she moved back to Florida with her family, um, that kind of thing, and, uh, works for the family business apparently now which good for her i mean i don't think her life deserved to at all be ruined over this no um but i do think it's interesting because um she absolutely kind of like creates this narrative of like i tweeted this one thing i've never done it before blah blah i'm like no like you literally were doing this for months and also telling people you were clearly stating i'm an extra like it was not like subtle it was not just like an implication like you literally misrepresented yourself as being an extra on the set when you weren't. I think she really did just have friends who were extras that she knew from working in background mm-hmm. who were feeding her information that she would then post because she was getting likes and attention and followers. Clout. Yeah. And I think clout poisons many a mind. I think the clout chasing bitter in the ass when I contradicted something correctly because I was my information was all right. I don't know why she was posting this information because it was not correct. It was not my version of events is what happened in so the episode. So you ruined a woman's career. Um, You're yeah, the reason why I, a woman well, apparently it's career is ruined. It's reverberated in all aspects of her life. She does say in the podcast she does not regret having tweeted that. Um, and she does regret apologizing because she doesn't think she had anything to apologize for. She wasn't actually guilty. And um, I will say again, Nicole, like literally nothing against you. Um, I do feel bad for how some of it went down, but I think you've kind of rewritten this narrative into something that's not the actual truth. 
Um, but you know what? Like, it's literally been like 10 years. Like, who cares? Bury um, the hatchet. Bury yeah. the glee hatchet. So I continue posting glee spoilers for a couple seasons. I got really fucking sick of the show. I was preparing to move to New York and live my real life. So I quit watching the show. I remember it got pretty repetitive and it just got really bad and everyone was miserable to be there. And then like a bunch of cast members like died young. The glee curse. Um, Corey Monteith died and that was really disheartening and upsetting. Um, I mean, I wasn't even a huge fan of his character, but he seemed like such a nice guy and it was really unfortunate. And it was just really dark, the whole like vibe of the fandom. And I was just kind of over it. And I would realize that I was just miserable with the show and I was not enjoying it at all anymore when I had been. So I quit the show Cold Turkey. I had one quote unquote source, which was just like an information, the information hotline for the extras, which I passed off to a friend of mine who was still planning to be active in the fandom. Mm-hmm. And I knew I could trust her to like, keep that information to herself like not blast the phone number even though i'm sure other people i think at some point got it but i also relate i do have a little sympathy for nicole because people would be weird like there was like a live journal community i would post to and like it was just like a celebrity gossip community and i remember like literally like two or three years after i like had quit glee someone i commented something benign and someone post replied to me and they were like really mad at me because i was a fan of a character they didn't like and they were just like um you like wrote glee fanfic and you lied about like having all these spoilers and i was i didn't respond to them because i was like whatever yeah (laughs) but it was just like this really bizarre i would have people show up in my tumblr inbox and like call me slurs and like (laughs) just like attack me wild well glee fandom was like a fucking rough man i mean i you know what? Actually, let me. The last post that I ever posted on my Tumblr, my fandom oh Tumblr, my God. was just a reblog of someone else. Um, someone had written about how you know what's wrong with Tumblr now. Too many kids weren't here for Glee. You have y'all have no idea. And someone goes, "I was not here for the days of Glee, but please relay that fandom history." What follows is the greatest explanation of Glee fandom that I've ever read, which is, it's not history, it's blood. I still see it all over this website. The vague posts, the deactivated URLs. Where do you think the word problematic became popular? Glee was the hungry, gaping void that consumed us all. It said, watch us and find yourself. There's someone for everyone. We are all oppressed by something and we are different and we are outcasts and we are you. And we fell for it. We watched Glee and we related to its characters and we fought its wars until it was too late. Until it was nothing but a distorted picture of a parody of reality, a cracked mirror in which our souls were sucked and encased in glass. You asked for history. There's no history. Only rage and pain and regret. The image of Anonymous with a gray face and sunglasses telling you to kill yourself because you thought Artie was a dick for calling Britney stupid that one time. This website is a reflection of the whole Glee left when it finished taking all it could from us. When the void could not consume anything more. And the posts on it now, the social justice, quote unquote, discourse that is just giant piles of steaming, unsifted, unrefined shit is from those who refuse to learn from us. The history is here and it followed us and we can never, ever escape it. Fuck, that's so good. I felt like that was like the best final post to leave on my abandoned Tumblr. (laughs) Because it was like the perfect encapsulation of what it was like to be on tumblr and involved with glee fandom from 2010 through 2013 or whenever no i just watched a couple episodes when i kind of had the time you know (laughs) you have spared yourself a lot of fandom trauma 
Um, I have literally not been involved in any fandom since. You know, I was a super Hulakian, and I still, I didn't even get that involved with that either. I was just like, I watched the episodes, reblogged some stuff I liked, and then I just like dipped. It was, it was really intense. It was not fun at the end. Anyway, that is really matters. That is my story of how I might have accidentally gotten someone blacklisted from the Hollywood entertainment industry. I would say fired an extra, but I don't think she actually was an extra. So I'm sorry, Nicole Crowther. I didn't mean to. I hope you're doing okay. Um, Oops. Yeah. Sorry about it. I mean, she kind of did it to herself. So, I mean, she kind of had it coming but also was like an overreaction so i do feel a little bit for her though i do think she's kind of um the story she tells now is not entirely truthful i'm feeling i'm channeling like dakota johnson talking to ellen when she goes like that's not the truth ellen everyone was like (laughs) have you heard that no it was like ellen was like you didn't invite me to my birthday your birthday party and dakota johnson and it's like on her talk show she's like that's not the truth, Ellen. And she goes, I did invite you. And Ellen just kind of backtracks and everyone was like, oh, and like they cite that as the moment when Ellen like was revealed to be kind of a bully and a nasty person. Oh my God. And uh, so that's brilliant. So Dakota Johnson says, that's not the truth, Ellen. I look at Nicole Crowther and I say, it's not the truth, Nicole. Email her right now. Get her on the podcast. <laughs> I bet I could, but I'm not going to because I don't. I don't need that drama in my life. I don't need that was like, do you know how much it has taken out of me emotionally to like dig through my fucking like 1400 pages of Tumblr to like pull up? It was literally on page like 1400 that I could find the 2011 post that I made about this. Ink Pop doesn't even exist anymore. (sighs) Ink Pop was bought out by Figment and then Figment was bought out by another company or, um, was switched over to just a blogging channel. Yeah, so many of these posts that I was trying, because I wanted, I didn't want to, like, say anything I couldn't back up with receipts. Yeah. So much of my information I got through the Wayback Machine. Um, again, Nicole Crowther, I don't have anything against you, but that's what it is. So Get your shit together. Everyone anyway. just needs to calm down. Everyone needs to calm down. It's not that serious. <laughs> it's not that serious. It never was. Why did I almost it was got so punched serious? in the face by a few friends in middle school because I didn't in high school because I didn't like the Jonas Brothers. Don't you wish it was that time again when that was like the biggest problem was like, I don't like this thing. Did I tell you about the time this girl was super into the Jonas Brothers? She was really obsessed with them. And she was like, like very self-inserty, like, I'm going to marry one. And I looked at her one time and I was like you know they're never going to love you, right? And apparently that, like, brutalized her. Ouch. And I was not even thinking about it. I was just like, yeah, like, they're never going to love me. They're never going to know who any of us are. I think yeah. I said something like that. It was, I was so brutal. Aww. Just, like, not even thinking. But I was, like, I was just so confused. I just, I still, like, don't really understand a lot of celebrity, like... Parasocial relationships. Yeah, I, as a young girl, I didn't. Uh, and I'm now, not like I'm, that like, either. I don't... Especially self-insert stuff. I was like, people literally talking about like having sex with the Jonas Brothers, <laughs> and I'd be like, that's just weird. Like, yeah. you know, they'll never know who you are. I think it was that. You know, they'll never know who you are, right? Like, yeah, your little Cinderella fairy tale. It is never going to yeah. happen. And she was fifteen, so I didn't feel too bad. It's not like I said it to an eight-year-old. Yeah, get over yourself. Again, Sorry. everyone just needs to calm down. Brad Falchuk, you're kind of a dick for what you did, sending a Twitter mob after this girl for something that really wasn't that serious. Nicole, I wish you well. <laughs> and I don't want anyone finding my old Tumblr because I'm sure there's embarrassing shit on I'm there. I'm going to find it. You 
are looking at my computer screen. I know you see it right now, but I'll show you mine if you show me yours. I don't want to see yours. Anyway, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I think it's time for meme of the week. Meme of the week. Meme of, of the week. week. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> LOL. LOL. All right. So this is where we finish the episode off by talking about something notable on the internet this week. Doesn't have to be a literal meme. Can be good, can be bad, can be juicy. It's just something that, you know, stuck out to you. Tori, do you have one you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Alex Jones. (gasps) Yes. Uh... Alex Jones, the um, guy who does InfoWars. Conspiracy um, theorist. Conspiracy right. theorist. Piece of fucking shit. A piece of shit human being. One of his more notable things, uh, if this is for people who don't know, is that he said that Sandy Hook never happened. Yeah. And I actually knew a guy who was really, I'm sure, into InfoWars because he also believed Sandy Hook never happened. Um, and that they were all crisis actors and like, it was all planned, you know, as a government conspiracy. Well, Alex Jones, uh, was in court and defamation, uh, trial. defamation trial. So not criminal. And the parents of the Sandy Hook kids did win and he has to pay, I think 45, like at, at the end is like 45 million. Something yeah. Like that. 45 and punitive. And then an extra like 4.6 million and other emotional damages. But the so real, 50 plus mil. The, that is a great win. And I'm so happy for those parents because they got like death threats after they lost their child. And like, they were like live streaming the trials. So yeah. It was, like, all on oh, that. it was so goddamn juicy. And then, um, I would look up this part that happened. It's all over Twitter. Alex Jones's lawyer accidentally sent Alex Jones's trans like text transcripts to the the parents' lawyer. Mm-hmm. A copy of his entire cell phone. His entire cell phone record going back years. And so, of course, the January 6th um like criminal prosecutor prosecutors subpoenaed it as well. And I'm sure they didn't even need to. I'm sure that like, you know, the prosecutor uh against in the the um uh, civil court was just like, yeah, of course, here you go. I don't care. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not my client. It's not. Well, privileged. now the January 6th commission gets a copy. Yeah. So now they have it. And so now he's going to face criminal charges. And I've never been so happy in my life. Yeah. It was that moment when they revealed it to him while he was on the stand that they had a copy of his whole phone. Oh, like talking about sitcom reveal level, like drama. <laughs> like it was drama like, indeed mr he jones did. he said indeed mr jones is that your phone number yes so you did get my text messages and it said you didn't nice trick <laughs> yes mr jones oh. indeed his defender and lawyers were like had the ability like two days or something to like say whoops sorry ignore that and they didn't yeah they did not uh consider it or they didn't claim it as privileged information which would have potentially kept it out of like the record for the case but i love it it, it was beautiful was, it's so good and i'm i'm really excited to i don't think we won't get to watch the january 6th because it's a criminal trial i think that they won't broadcast it but i can't wait for for news about that to to come out i'm very excited fuck uh, him yeah um do you want me to do my yes what's yours hannah on the light side i will say that um i am still enjoying the tiktok song versions of chrissy wake up chrissy wake up i don't like this chrissy wake up hey look 
on Saturday, like I said, I was celebrating my friend's birthday in the Lower East Side, and we went from one bar to another bar, Nurse Buddy. Yep. Very cool place. Check it out. I went outside for a minute, and as I was coming back in, I hear, like, this girl just go, Chrissy, wake up! <laughs> and I started laughing because that's, like, a trending sound on TikTok that people... Yeah. It's, like, a Stranger Things dialogue that people are turning into a song, and then people from there are turning it into, like, other songs. So, like, people are making it fit, like, the melody of, like, Taylor Swift's, like, You Belong With Me. And, like, oh God. the Titanic theme song. Like, and it, it just cracked me up. It was, like, oh, my God. So I went in and I told my other friend, I'm, like, you know that song, right? Like, and she's, like, oh, yeah. She's online enough to know it. And um, it was just a funny moment. I love that. It's not a good one. It kind of sucks this week. I'm sorry. No, I love you. I was very preoccupied with dealing with, like, the heat and work and... <sighs> You're doing a great job, gri- Digging up all of this glee trauma. This glee, <laughs> glee trauma. Glee trauma. I can't. I can't anymore. Well... We can't do this again next week. We have to pick something that doesn't personally involve me looking yeah. through my cringy Tumblr phase. Yeah. Did we start out with talking about how we're so glad that our shit isn't up on the I internet? I know, and, and I'm yet- just airing all my dirty laundry... Not I'm that spilling bad. my own tea all over myself. Just, I have a reputation as being like kind of cool. To, yeah, like, and then you up. talk. And about this glee. is like the most like cringy. Like fandom isn't necessarily inherently like cringy. Glee fandom is so fucking cringy. Yeah, and I'm deeply embarrassed and regret a lot of this. You should be. I regret all of this. It's fine. See, I just live my life in cringe, so it doesn't really matter when somebody's like, "Hey, look at this embarrassing photo of you in high school." I'm like, "Yep." Do you see much difference from then and now? No. I have glasses that look a little better on my face. And a better haircut. It's just a cringe overload this episode. Yeah. Maybe we should call it that. Like, cringe. I was thinking about, uh, it smells like teen spirit. That's a good one. <laughs> look at you making the Nirvana reference. Or it smells like teen drama. It smells like teen cringe. Yeah, it smells like teen cringe. <laughs> we might have to go with that. I think that's a good one. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Um, we hope you you learned something today. Being I hope you repress all of this and don't ever bring this up to me in person. Please. I will. I don't mind. You can do it for me. <laughs> I will just immediately like Irish goodbye you. I will leave the room <laughs> and just be like, this does this does not story does not exist outside of this podcast. I never want to hear about it. But when we see Emily again, whenever yeah, we see her, I'm going to bring this up to her. Please do. She'll love it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Terminally Online. I'm Tori. I'm Hannah. And, and we, we are, are never, never logging, logging off. off. Ouch! Ta-da.